This is Season 2, Episode 9 of Mastering the RPG, a tabletop RPG podcast all about upping your game. Doesn't matter if you're a game master or player, you'll find advice, ideas, and some strong opinions. Tonight's episode is Creating a Cohesive Party, or All for One and One for All. Welcome to Mastering the RPG. Like I said, it's an RPG podcast all about maximizing your game. If you want to hear what we're doing and check out our website, it's at masteringtherpg.com. You can support us, email us, contact, all that good stuff. If you want to send us some email, some feedback, questions, have us uh, talk about something that you're interested in, go ahead and send us an email at gamemaster at masteringtherpg.com. That's gamemaster at masteringtherpg.com. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. So it is super great to be back on the mics with everybody again. Um, we're running this episodes a little later than normal just because, you know, life happens and uh, now we're getting everybody together. And so um, looking forward to the topic, but uh, do have a couple of uh, cool stuff that I'm involved with. We have cool stuff found. Do you copy? Cool stuff found. Over. Just so uh, everybody knows, um, there's a new tune I just dro- just about to drop. New RPG rock song for everybody to enjoy called the Monster Manual. That'll be out <laughs> uh, probably by the 17th of May, depending on when you listen to this. I'm going to try to get it out um, before the 17th of May. Um, and then we have the 150th episode of Tabletop Tango, which is the Savage Worlds channel uh, Eric and I do. Um, and that we're going to do a live stream May 17th. Um, and if you catch it after, you can always listen to the replay and hopefully do some quizzes. We have some peg people, the Pinnacle Entertainment Group folks joining us on that. So that should be pretty exciting. Anybody else have any uh, interesting news or uh, stuff that they're doing now that uh, would be great to share? God, nothing like that. Congratulations, guys. 150 episodes. Huge. That's massive. So well done. And I have had a sneak peek of Monster Manual, and it fucking rocks. So get in on that. That's pretty good fun. Um, uh, as for me, and hello, everyone. Um, as for me, not as important as that. Still running some kids' games. And I'm starting to write a Call of Cthulhu little one-shot for PAX Australia because um, I'll be running Call of Cthulhu at PAX again this year. So um, we're writing up a little one-shot about, I don't know if you guys ever heard of a bush ranger called Ned Kelly, wore some armour, shot some guys in the 19th century. I'm doing a kind of Call of Cthulhu about Ned Kelly, which is a bit exciting. Those Australian people who are listening in will know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> For everyone else, it's like, who the hell's Ned Kelly? Look him up. He's kind of crazy. Uh, so I'm doing a, a one-shot for Ned Kelly aficionados at PAX Australia. So writing that at the moment. It's good fun. How about you, Eric? What are you up to? Uh, not much. I've been sick all week, so I'm still not feeling great right now. But... Um... You know, teetering along on my setting. <laughs> uh, some new games coming in and going out. Uh, but nothing that exciting, except except for the Tabletop Tango episode, of course. Very exciting. Very cool. Are you wearing something particularly celebratory for that episode? Do we get to see you? Um, I have a little... Uh, I might get a hat. Maybe some type of... Like a festive hat or something, probably. <laughs> uh, I'll probably be dressed the same as I'm always dressed um, for videos. <laughs> I'm not very creative in that. Get, you should get a cool headband, Carl. That's that's uh, a yeah. cool headband. That would work. Yeah. That would work. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, 
Yeah, and, and uh, so you can uh, check out uh, Tabletop Tango at tabletoptango.com. That's also where you can find the song. Um, get a link to Tabletop Tango and get in there um, to get to the YouTube channel. So it should be pretty exciting. I'm excited that Pinnacle folks are joining us so we can test their knowledge of Savage Worlds and not just, uh, you know, not just the folks in the chat. We'll see how much they know because... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Some of these questions are going to be hard because I did research. I literally did research. So, uh, <laughs> well, some of the stuff I would not have known if I hadn't done research. So, therefore, it's going to be hard. Um, so, anyway, hey, so that's some of the cool stuff that we're working on. So, thanks. Uh, that, that very exciting. I hope the I hope the adventure goes well. And I know Eric's working super hard on that setting that we're looking forward to checking out. Um, so tonight we're talking all about creating a cohesive party. So let's get right to the main topic. All right, main topic. So creating a cohesive party. Um, and team building and all that kind of exciting, exciting, exciting stuff. So I'm going to uh, kind of turn it over and say, you know, who who wants to jump in and say, what do we mean by a cohesive party? What do we mean by creating a cohesive party? Um, just at the high level before we dig into the details. What If somebody's coming and saying, well, I don't know, what, is my party cohesive? What does that mean? James, yeah, what, do you, sure. what would you say to that? Role-playing games are team-building in a lot of ways, aren't they? And, and it's interesting, the rise of the corporate culture playing role-playing games as team-building exercises. I guess when you bring a group of people together to role-play, what you're trying to do is get a, a, a group that works together, a group that works together cohesively, that are focused in their, in their aims and their goals, and complement each other um, in terms of their strengths so that they can cover off on weaknesses and you can... The, the group can work work as a well-oiled machine, a well-oiled team. And that could be in a couple of ways. That could be in terms of your plot and your role-playing so that uh, there are complementary stories and complementary character types. But it could also be in the mechanics of the game, so how you utilise your abilities and powers together to be a, a complementary uh, action-packed team that is that is good at what they set out to be. That's, the, that's in my mind, a, a complementary team. And it's a... And I tell you what, if you've ever been in a really good role-playing group where the team works really well together, um, you'll know what I mean. But unfortunately, it's it takes a bit of work and it, and it isn't always natural. I, I, I think anyone who's run role-playing games would say that, um, you know, it, you don't always luck out and get a well-cohesive, well-thought-out team that works well together. Well, well, all people have their own personalities. So I think part of what we're talking about here a little bit is is getting beyond the fact that everybody takes a different look at when they come to the table so it's not always perfect perfection right uh, there's things you can do as a player and a game master to help better that cohesion it's not always going to be the perfect team day one i mean how many times in corporate america do you get the perfect team day one without working working at it to, to get there so um so i think you mentioned um Really well, you, you broke it down, I think, nicely into the two, two ways, right? You talked about, I'll say narratively, kind of the narrative of yep. the story, um, and then the mechanical aspects. So what we, where would you want to start? You want to start talking kind of from a narrative standpoint? How do we start? You know, we, we want to have a cohesive group. We want to start someplace. 
to get that. And that, you know, that starts right in the beginning, right? You know, things like session zero and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And I guess I'd like to split it up in a little ways too. There's what can you do as a storyteller and a games master? And then what do the players do as well? Oh I mean, yeah, in a lot absolutely. Of ways, this, this is probably one of the topics that is more player focused than what we normally talk about. We normally take the, 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 the games master high horse in a lot of ways. I think this one uh, is, is a lot about players as well. But yeah, yeah from, okay. the, from starting from the start, if you, I mean, if you're looking at build, I guess this should be one of the aims of a storyteller. I'm going to take the, the Games Master perspective here because that's kind of what I do most of. But um, if when you're preparing a campaign, it, it really benefits you to, to identify links and places where you can bring characters together right from the get-go right from the from the very first time that they that players are coming to you with their character concepts trying to find links and how players can interconnect early on to build connection to build links between between characters can only help the narrative so uh often we've talked a lot of it and we do we do this all the time we talk a lot about session zero but if we talk about that that Toing and froing initial time when you're setting up a session zero, when the when the the games master puts together his con his or her concept for the campaign, and then the players do that initial response saying, "I like the concept, and these this is the type of character I want to play." That's the point right then, very early. Almost the first thing that you do is when you start identifying the narrative links between the characters, so that they so you can set this up really, 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 really early. I've got a fantastic um, group, one of my kids' groups, where uh, a, a player decided he wanted to play a, a goblin bard with high levels of loot. And then another player almost immediately after said, I'm really interested in playing a hobgoblin wizard that plays the flute. And so immediately I added these two characters together, a hobgoblin and a goblin that are troubadours and immediately put into play this idea for both the players. Perhaps you guys have known each other, you're traveling minstrels, immediately make a connection between two players because that's the way that you build your narrative links um, to begin with. Um, how about you, Eric? Have you, when you're running games, have you come across well, this? Have you tried <laughs> to work through that? Yeah, I mean, for the game side, the game master side, I think even though we're kind of talking about narratively right here, it's also important to talk about mechanically. I'd like... Both at the same time, like with Session Zero, again, like we talk about Session Zero so much, it's so important. And you really, as the Game Master here, have to be kind of the director and have to take a little bit more oversight, I think. Um, because we talked about the, I mean, we talked about this off my uh, off uh, recording, but like sometimes these just things just work out with players, but sometimes they don't. And yep. I think it's really important when like I've seen games take shape and people you know, almost without talking to each other, like, I want to play this. Oh, I want to play this. But they're not, like, talking. Nobody's saying it to each other. And then you kind of have, like, when it sometimes actually play, there's there's a lot of tension because people... And I'm not just talking about mechanically here, but, like, say, it, we're talking about D&D, maybe some of the same classes or the, the overwhelming, the same roles and all the same skills. And also personality types, right? Because that's another important thing is that, like, if you have everybody who has the same, everybody's playing a comic relief character, that's the comic relief in the way of like kind of being a um, kind of a fool almost, right? That kind of comic relief. Uh, yep. The game's not going to work either. <laughs> so so it, it's really important to be like, we're doing a session zero, like have your ideas, but be flexible. Like really 
put it out there to players to, to kind of curb their expectations maybe about what, what they want to play and be like, well, let, let's wait till we get to the session zero. And, you know, we kind of discuss what we're all want to do. And then you have to kind of be the person to orchestrate that and to be the person who's like, okay, well, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? And then if people, you know, maybe the people, the players that you have are mature enough or flexible enough that, that they're willing to like to be, you know, to, to easily move around. But if they're not, you really have to kind of recognize that. And even if you don't want to, uh, you have to you have to be the one that's going to oversee that because I've had plenty of games where the game master doesn't, and yep. I've almost kind of had to fill that role. I mean, not saying that I'm not trying to be egotistical or anything, but like honestly, being like, okay, I see there's tension here, and like because the game master is not so, and it puts me in an awkward position. So I think it's very important for the game master here to kind of, you know. To, to kind of to kind of look at it as like the director of a movie or the producer or the casting agent and like think of it that way and and kind of yeah do you guys do you guys get what I'm saying I don't know I'm not really yeah it's it's up to the game master you're setting the stage like you said um, yeah. and so that stage has to be pretty much clear to everybody so you can't be being flexible in your desires and goals if you don't know what that common goal is. You haven't had an opportunity to understand what the relationship between you and other players are going to be. And there are some systems that basically you go through the process of defining those relationships. So um, yeah. help you through that process. But I, I hit, you're hitting it on the head, right? I mean, you're as a game master, part of your job is to kind of set the stage that these players are going to walk on. And if you haven't done that, it's it's tough for people to really kind of come in and find their niche or find what – what's going to excite them about what you're, what you're putting out there. James, you were going to jump in. Yeah, I, I guess it's, it's good to have clear boundaries on roles for players and, and characters so that, so that people aren't treading on their toes. I do sometimes find that you can combine two similar kind of backgrounds or two similar roles um, and to be complementary for each other. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I always look for those, those ways that if you do have two big Let's just say you've got two big tanky-like warrior kind of characters that, and you go, oh, they're, they're similar. We don't want each other treading on each other's toes. But let's say that the players are really keen to, to explore that. It's about not only giving players the space to discover their own character, but also trying to team up those two so that they might work complementary to each other. You don't necessarily have to kind of say, well, we've got one warrior, therefore you shouldn't play a warrior. Of course try to, to yeah, try to have yeah. a play with and try and discover how do two warriors work well together in a, in a group? How can they complement each other? How can they support each other in some ways as well? So it's not just about um, separating characters, but it's about identifying and binding them together as best as you can from session zero. And I think when, like going back to what you were talking about, when we're talking about narratively now about the, the kind of um, threaded backstories which we'll talk more about in the player section because it's something, something that i do pretty much in every game um yep. uh yeah you can even be even with like you can be super overt about it too and be like if if we're not all no if the group doesn't all know each other beforehand um which i never really like but that's I mean, we've talked about that before um you can do it it's just it's just more difficult i feel like to make a a game that feels right when people don't quite all know each other because in real, you know, in reality, we don't actually know. We don't know what our characters are about. Right. So it's hard to like fake that for everybody. Um, but I think pairing up, like you said, James is really good. And you can be overt with that. You can be like, 
Um, hey, does anybody who wants to like, do people want to pair up? Like you can say that out loud. So when you're actually talking to them about the backstories, you can find ways to do it when people are like open to pairing up as far as um, having kind of links in their backstory or they've known each other for a couple months or a year or whatever. Um, yep. That's something that you can even build in again in session zero. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I think that that's an excellent way of like building that um, from the get go. And uh, it gives people investment and it gives them cohesion with each other, but it also enables them to have the sense of discovery with the other people coming in. Um, well, and, 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 uh, and that's, yeah. we talk about two's, uh, two's company, three's a crowd, right? So it sounds like you, exactly. you get this idea that there, you can find two players that or two player characters that complement each other and can have a relationship that's maybe a little deeper to start with that they can explore as we bring the other players in and they start building relationships with those characters. Um, that's it, 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 it sort of lets them start at the, uh, at the, the, the T that's a little closer to the hole, um, as far as the role playing challenge. So that's, I mean, that's good. That's very good. And the final thing I want to talk about narratively when you're setting up is we often just talk about, Oh, what kind of class do you want to play? Right. Or whatever. Uh, what kind of role are you playing? But you should also ask, what what kind of character are you playing like personality wise because I've, we've mm. talked about this before but like that is to me where you almost have the most like you can have two comic characters but you don't want the, the same type and if everybody's playing a comic-y chaotic character then the game is not going to feel cohesive it's not going to feel like a complete game right it's not going to it's not going to flow well and i've had those issues coming into games so when you're kind of doing the session zero or asking people what they want to play also make it clear that like what kind of character do you want to play like personality wise because then if you have people coming up being like I'm kind of a you know a, a loose cannon and the other everybody else wanted to play a loose cannon then you probably don't want that to happen and it's not going to be a cohesive game so um, I think that's important to really bring that up in in the session zero and how do you go about it as a player like so you know often these these games are quite, you know, after a lot of commitment. Like for me, I whenever I play, I'm, I'm generally locking myself in for a couple of years of an extended campaign. How do you go about that as a player when 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 you're presented with other options? Like, you know, if I if I'm if I want to play that madcap chaotic guy and there's already one, how do you go about that? How do you go about kind of managing, you know, that negotiation so that you can still play what you want to play but accommodate another's. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. It's, again, when you're, I've gone into games where the game master is not doing any of this stuff, yep. and sometimes it's fine, right? But I've seen a lot of times where it's not fine, <laughs> and it's then like say me, like when I have somebody new coming in, like I've been in games where I have a certain character type, and we're working, everything's balanced with everybody else. Somebody new comes in, and they're playing like the exact same type, either as another character or as what I'm playing, and when it's with me then I start to have to change my character because I can tell that it's causing trouble, right? Like when I was playing, a, if I'm playing a chaotic character and somebody's coming in who is also being very chaotic. And then, so I, in that case, James, like with somebody coming in, then in that case, what, what I often have to do is I have to kind of just, I just have to, you know, I can still be the same kind of character. I have to start kind of building them in a different direction or stretching them a bit or yep. having having reasons that they're growing more more or faster than I originally planned them to um, just because I know it's going to clash and I know that the game master is, you know, oh, here comes another one, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. From the get-go, 
then yeah, from the get go, I think it's difficult because um, you just have to have. Well, we can have it like say again. This is I think you're talking more about like a chaotic character, right, uh, or a mad character. Um, it doesn't have to be. It could no, be, I, but, you know, you're playing the heroic the, character or the or the wizard or the you know, yeah. it could be anything. Yeah, but that's the times when you have the biggest challenges, right, to a game because they they can, yeah. you know, they can uh, sideline the game or bring it to a different direction much easier than other people do. And it, maybe it's the case of you know, if everybody's a lawful character and plays everything by the book, that might be not what you're looking for uh, either. But there's, you know, nobody's one dimensional. I think that's the important thing is that, that you right. can shift it away from, well, like say, okay, if we want my, my cobalt character in your game, James, he was a little bit chaotic, but only in some ways, right? Yep. Like he had his orderly part and I, but I had my chaotic part, but it was very specific to what his class was and to what his like interests lie. And that was like, he would, he would be chaotic and like, he would make weird inventions or break things or didn't realize it, right? But he wasn't always like he understood the value of order in other ways. Yes. Um, so when he wasn't you see an somebody agent else, of chaos, he had elements of yeah. chaos around it. Yeah. And, and when like it complemented Latreni, who was chaotic in her like weird ways, of, yeah. you know, of, of doing things like um, societally maybe that is more chaotic. Um, and so it was just kind of adjusting to that of being like, well, he, here's here's the ways that I'll, you know, when I want to like play my flaw and I can see how this person is. So you don't have to give up your core character. You just have to like, okay, I can think of other ways where they're not going to be this way. Right. You could just have to think of ways where I won't be as much in their direction, but I'll just find, I'll just double down in this other way. I don't know if that makes enough sense. It does. So, so you're kind of, um, um, you're kind of giving up an element or, or, or giving the ground to the other player, but then carving your own niche out and kind of creating your own element there so that they can both coexist. I can see that exactly. very much. There's, there's yeah, a, absolutely. There's a chart There's a chart in the original Dungeon Master Guide um, that shows all the alignments as kind of a spread. And it goes, <laughs> and this isn't to say, I'm not talking about, you know, it's personality traits, right? So you can have this spread yep. of personality traits and somebody pushes more to the line, you can still be in that personality, but you're a little bit off the line and you're a little you're you're moving a little closer to something else just to have some more interest. And for me personally, when I play characters, I don't I guess I'm I I like to play more than just one thing. So it's easy to come in, easier to come in, and if somebody really wants to do something, I can move off that line and move towards another line that's interesting. And you just need to be really willing to do that. And I think that's, Eric, what you're talking about is you're yeah. willing to lean into a different dimension of your character traits and let another dimension kind of be more for someone else um, and let them kind of take on. And And I don't know if this player in your game was more kind of stereotypical of – you know, we talk about agent of chaos. Well, I mean, there's agents of chaos and then there's people who are kind of chaotic, right? And um, I'm a little chaotic, but I'm also a little not chaotic. And so if that person really is just pushing the line, then you back off and you say, you know, there's a lot of other interesting things that I can play and be. And for me, at least, um, you know, I've never come in just, I have to be this one special thing because there's so much interesting stuff. Just explore it, you know, just walk the different lines, go to different dimensions of, of human nature and find something that's interesting to explore that you haven't explored before. And that goes to with, um, and now we're talking about player side again, but mechanically that goes to when you're, um, 
you're making your character. And when, one thing that I always, always recommend with, with class characters or whatever game system you're in, I mean, it can, sometimes the mood point, depending on the game system, if it's a very narrative game, but like, don't always just have one thing that you do. Like even martial, even when I make martial characters or I make damage characters, I always have something else I can do, especially in role-playing scenarios. Mm -hmm. I always have some, even if it's a small niche, a niche, whatever, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I always have multiple things. So even if there is overlap mechanically, I still have my other thing. And even if somebody has that overlap, the combination is still unique in that way. And I think that's, so really what all goes back is make three-dimensional characters both narratively and mechanically. Um, and then if, everybody, if everybody's doing that, it really does, even if you have overlap regardless, things kind of fit together like a puzzle, you know, uh, uh, more well. Uh, so, yeah. Eric, have you ever had the um, experience of creating a, a complementary character from the outset where you've, where you've had another player and the two of you kind of, Yes. go we're gonna create a combo here have you ever done that because yeah, that's I mean, something i've found as well not completely but like i've, I've definitely because like you were talking about with the threads every game yep. that i'm in pretty much um and very rarely like you did it but most game at games i never nobody ever brings it up i always make sure i have somebody else that i have some connection to my backstory always like i do that yep. in every single game and but i definitely have been in games where like we've talked about what classes we're doing and like I've been in games where we're both like marshals, but one of us, like I, I was in the, a Pathfinder game where I played a really funny little goblin monk that was kind of chaotic and in some ways. Uh, and then I played with a guy that played a giant lizard barbarian um, <laughs> and, we, and we had gotten into a lot of trouble together in our backstory, but we were both in line. Like we both had a lot of similarities like you talked about. Like we were both like loved fighting and we loved to like drink and I mean, and we had our other quirks too. Um, but we had a lot of couple, like he, he made stuff like he could, he, he took mechanical stuff where he could throw me. Like I yep. was a projectile and he took stuff where he could throw me. And I like took stuff where it would like, I would damage stuff in the air. So yeah, we had some cohesiveness there and we played off each other a lot. And it was like a lot of fun, both, both narratively and mechanically. Um, you don't have to my, go my, all in with that. And some systems don't support it right that much. Well, um, like okay. Savage Worlds has edges now especially in the fantasy companion it literally has ones where like and pathfinder had this too where if you had if somebody has this edge or feet and you have this edge or feet then you get then it's like bonuses together yeah right? wow. so some games okay. have that mechanically um they have that built in but a lot of games don't like you know dnd doesn't have that right um like a, like a shield wall kind of thing or something um but you could always give I bonuses as a game master, you can be like, hey, if you guys do this, then you'll get a bonus. Or if you, when people, there's a thing in Savage Worlds called Synergy, which is a yep. narrative thing that gives mechanical bonuses. Like if you have electric, there's powers and you electric somebody in water, there's no rules for that, but they're like, give them a bonus. I think that you should do that as a game master too, to encourage that, like James, like you're talking about is, is like Synergy, right? And I think you do that too, James. I, I often remember you doing that with like, when people do something together or they do actions together, you might give them a bonus to encourage that type of synergistic play to make them think of things. Oh, how can we work together more? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. very much so. And I guess that's coming on in terms of, um, uh, you know, after you've created your character and how you, how you maintain this level of cohesiveness as you, as you go on, um, mechanical cohesiveness, I think is, is a wonderful thing when you see it happen. Well, um, when players understand their characters well enough 
that they can start to work these combos of abilities together. I think that, that that's a really great sign that you've started to get this locked in well, when the players can start looking at their abilities and saying, well, if I do this and you do that, then we're going we're, we're gonna to have some, some great bonuses. That's a tricky thing to organise because it takes a skill in some ways of the player to understand what their, what their character is and an openness to look for the opportunities to use that in concert with someone else. I think that's that's a goal, um, and it's it's quite tricky to get to. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think Carl, how would how how would you set stuff stuff up like that? Well, I think the the what, I've got the advantage that one of my favorite systems is Savage Worlds, and Savage Worlds has mechanics built in that help people to play synergy synergistically um let's try to say that four times fast and um, <laughs> allows them to do things together and use different skills but at the same time to and and they call them like tests and they call them supports and stuff like that where i can give somebody a bonus by using my capabilities in a way that um you know affects my opponent or affects you in a positive way so it's got mechanically built in so it really helps the players um you know, think that way. But even in Savage World space, we have, you know, I've had players where they just don't think of that. They're still in the mode yep. of, I've got my niche. I'm the guy who walks up and hits things. So I'm going to walk up and hit something, even though it might have been better if I taunted so that the other person could have a better opportunity. I think it, it just comes down to what, what would the, um, in the world of coaching, right? You start coaching behavior by saying, I, you know, hey, I noticed you did that. If you would have done this, this would have been great. Um, what do you yeah. think of that idea? Um, or say, hey, I, you know, this might help out. Um, did you, you know, so-and-so's got this capability if we do this. And sometimes you just have to help them see that right away. Yeah. And, and you don't have to be gentle about it. I, I Not be mean. I don't mean that. But you can state it. You don't have to go, hey, uh, look at your sheet. Are you looking at your sheet? Look yeah, at your yeah, sheet. Yeah. <laughs> hey. It's <laughs> true, though. Um, but one of the things that, uh, that you forget, and, and I use this all the time, is that the characters themselves know more about each other than, than I guess sometimes the players would know about each yeah. other's character. They're competent. Yes. Yeah. These, these, these guys are sleeping around each other. They're, they're, they're fighting talking. daily. They're yeah. talking all the time. So I, I have no problems with saying, hey, if you had a – don't forget, if you use this spell with this spell, then you get cool outcomes. Or if once he did this, if you did this – so that you'll, you know, and the coaching is the perfect example. As a, as a games master, you often have to coach your players. You have to say, hey, don't forget, you've got this ability that you can, you know, reduce their saving throw and and help your friend. You know, you can yeah. kind of, you can be quite deliberate. I agree, Carl. Um, deliberate coaching. Very, very cool. On top of the coaching, which I think is a really, really good um, tactic, I think there's two other ones. And we talked a little bit about one of the other ones, which is rewarding when it does happen. Like, make sure you really do reward sure. it yep. so they yep. see, mm -hmm. hey, this is benefits. The third one, which is a sneaky way, which I've done before in games to help teach people, is use NPCs. If you can use an NPC to literally show, hey, this yeah. is what you can do to help. So if you have an NPC that starts doing some of these tactics and they start seeing that it's really, oh, this really works well. Um, that's just, you know, you don't have to do that all the time, but that's something that you can do is, is to actually use NPCs to teach. And that's kind of showing, not telling. So either you're telling or you're showing, um, and they both kind of worked effectively. 
Yeah, um, and, and but yeah, that, but I but I've seen it happen, and it, it really does work because people like go, oh, that character was awesome. They did a lot of cool stuff. I want to start doing what they did, you know. <laughs> and and that's true. I, the one of the key things is when players don't understand the rules sometimes, or they don't understand how to take advantage. You have, like you said, you have somebody that they're going against using that rule, and they'll immediately go, whoa, 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 that. So that person could help his friend out. How do you, wait? I want to help my friend out, right? So it yeah. definitely is is a definite yeah. powerful tool yeah. for sure. And then you kill the NPC. So you have the NPC be really cool and do all the supportive stuff, and then you murder them brutally so people want to take up the mantle. It's- or or even better, um, pit them against the NPC that actually Ooh. does all the cool stuff against them. Oh, and that's so what I meant. Like, oh, yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not not the good NPC. I'm talking the bad guys. Yeah, I'm bad with you, James. NPC. It's yeah, the yeah, bad yeah. guys. The bad guys are teaching you how to play because they're kicking your ass while you're <laughs> while I you're screwing it. around. Um, they're de- doing it. So, yep. What what about as a player? So you know, we're talking about you can coach someone through it. You can give examples of it. You can bring an NPC so they can see what's going on. As a player, how can you kind of assist other players to, to develop some of this system mastery, some of this teamwork ability um, to really encourage this cohesive play between you and your companions. Honestly, and, and it's... We're all looking so, at Eric here. I, well, honestly, <laughs> it's it's so similar to the GM side. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. really depends on your your group. You go on to over... Like in, say, in Carl's game, like I help out people a lot in that, in that, a ton. In that game. A ton. Yeah. Like I'll help them. And that, like, not just because like me, but Carl does too, but like... I often and I often help them when like they're leveling up. Like sometimes they'll need suggestions. Um, I'll put down suggestions of like I mean we've had characters who like are characters who are built for testing but they're not doing it. I'll be like, hey, you know you could do a test or Carl will say it too. Like either one of us. So you can do a lot of the same thing that game masters do as long as you know your game master and your group that you're not overstepping. Like you don't want to be that guy. Well, and I um, think you as a player you can do it in character too, right? I, hey, I yeah, want to do this this do round. I want to you yeah. know jump off the chandelier and scream and that's going to get them all crazy when i do that can you then do this because he'll be ready and more i mean you can do that in character for sure right yeah and then the other way is definitely like showing not telling again is is like do it yourself and show them like hey yeah uh and this is again we're going about mechanically here but like this can be really effective or you know if you have your niche and then they're doing like if say if it's not in your element then really be the supportive person. Like if you're not a role player, there still should be ways. And like I said, Savage Worlds really does encourage this. Um, they do a good job of doing that where you can su- you can support people in something that you're not good at with things that you are good at, right? You're not doing the main roles, but there's creative ways to to think about supporting people. So um, I, again, so like showing, not telling. And when they're doing, when people are doing their thing, just come up with ways that you can help them. Don't try to steal the show, but think of ways that you can help them with what you're good at. Um, so like if somebody's doing a sneaking thing, right. Like we've talked about, uh, yep. and you're like a brute, like you can cause a distraction by being a brute. You can like, uh, get in a fight with like a, a bar fight with somebody or punch somebody or, or, you know, smash something to make an, like, you can always come up with creative ways to support other people with what you're good at. Um, as far as the other things, yeah, with, 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 with leveling up, I mean, just be open, but don't overstep, like be like, Hey, anybody, like if you're good at, if you're good at the system, Right. Put it out there that like if anybody needs help, like whatever, put it out there. But don't be pushy. I think that's the main thing yep. because people will instantly get turned off by that. And once you know if there's people who do want help, you know um, what I found, because I've definitely helped people with Savage Worlds a lot, not just in Carl's game and other games, too. 
because I know Savage World so well. Um, and then I'll be like, I'll, I'll really kind of be like, well, what, what do you like? What do you want to do? And then I'll just put suggestions out. I won't tell them what to do. I'll just be like, what are you looking to do? Here's some other. Okay, here's some options that you might want to consider um, with making their roles. Um, but then, as far as cohesiveness goes, um, uh, often that is. I've, I've often done it as a player, like where I see a big hole in the group and then I will go like in our, in our group, um, James, because of the way it was, um, we only had four people. Like I got into ritual casting, yeah. and something that I probably wouldn't have originally done, but I saw that we had this really big hole in the group and I was kind of building myself more to be that utility person to do it. So I saw this really big hole and even though it didn't really benefit me, you know, hugely, it was like something that was like, okay, here's a really big hole and I'm an intelligence character. So yeah, ritual gonna, casting, I'm it gonna, makes sense. I'm going to plunge that. And then I it's thought something... of a way to like flavor it in, right? Because like we did it where it was, it wasn't just like spells. It was like I had a 3D printing robot <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. And it, I find that it is interesting, isn't it? And maybe I think this is a, a, a hallmark of, of experienced players in some ways. Um, I, what I often find is the most experienced player at a table ends up being that utility support kind of role um, in a lot of ways because I guess that that helps support the rest of the group. What I don't see very often is is players with ten years experience playing the the single dimensional rogue or the or the single dimensional fighter that they they tend to play a more cohesive team building um, um, character in order to to assist their the rest of the group in a lot of ways. So if you are a good character, if you are a good player and you have been playing for quite a while, don't be afraid to take up that that role in some ways to support the group and, and come up with some of that utility rather than the, the single dimension focus. I, I think that's a brilliant, that's a brilliant statement. Um, you know, uh, it's not about knit, you know, when you've played for a while, it's no longer, you know, protecting your niche. Now it's how can I get the spotlight on everyone um, so everyone's having a good time and, and everybody's working together well. And, and this goes right to what Eric said. He found a gap and he said, I'll, I'll fill that gap. Maybe I'm ritualistic magic wasn't the thing that I was into, but now I'm going to take that on because it's something the group could use. So that, I guess that's just maturity, right? It's, it's, you've gone through yeah, enough. I, and I don't always bad. do that. Let's say, I, I don't always do that. I want to be like, yeah. I'm always a self-sacrifice. Sometimes I like playing the combat character or whatever, but. Yeah, if you see the need, then yeah, be flexible. Sorry, Carl, I don't want to cut you off. I just wanted to. No, and I, I, sound too none of this is black and white, right? None of this <laughs> yeah, is black yeah. and white, right? I mean, lots of times when I'm playing a new system as a player, I am playing just the one dimensional character because I don't have system mastery and I want to make sure yeah, that I'm yep. complimenting other people. And I can only do that by focusing on a, the vital few <laughs> as opposed to having all sorts of stuff that I can do. I need to focus on, you know, Shield bash. I know shield bash, so now I'll use shield bash, right? Because <laughs> that's all that's that's all I can handle from this new system. Now, what about let's? I think we may. Do we want to start talking about like when cohesion's not going well and how to like write the ship? Or yeah, did you have more yeah, to, let's do it. Uh, I, I do want to touch on a little bit yeah, about narratively um, yeah, as ahead. well, but uh, but we can we, but let's do that when things are going poorly and the group isn't working well together. And often you'll find that this happens with younger. Well, I, I find it's with younger groups and less experienced oh, no, groups. Where it's in but, all groups, James. <laughs> it's in all groups. Okay, it doesn't matter your age. There's plenty of it, it, like I've see, really seen it uh, across the spectrum. So sorry, it is true. 
And and often I find, and look, this is a, a bit of a pitfall about when you run games professionally too. You can't necessarily determine who's going to be in each game. You can't you can't uh, you can't set. And often the experience level is quite different as well. So you do get you do get these groups that are quite mishmashed and are quite um, difficult to kind of get into a cohesive focus. A um, couple of things that I that I that I do. The, the first one is go back to the narrative, and so. Ideally, what you're, what I try to do is make it very, very clear with a group who the bad guys are, very, very clear with the group about what they're trying to achieve in a session, very, very clear about what they're trying to achieve in, in any scene. That way you reduce the ability for people to go off in disparate angles and disparate, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of plot lines. You can keep them to the cohesive plot. Um that helps, and then the second thing that I that I look at doing is creating counters that really require teamwork in order to succeed. And there's a couple of ways to do that. The first one is to, um, in some ways, try and negate. And and how do I how do I put this? Well, this is a tricky thing to kind of talk through. Um, what I often do is put characters at risk and allow the other characters to rescue so at least there so there, there is very much a, a, a team building aspect of how you've got to get these people to work together otherwise you lose people the second thing is is I always try and early on in a piece is to try and make encounters that play to player character strengths so if you do have a paladin that does lots of holy magic, throw undead at them so that they can get hit by holy magic. It's, it's about creating the opportunity for characters to shine early so they feel like they're getting a sense of working well together. But, um, yeah, it's a tricky thing when it's not working well. How do you, how do you write it, Carl, when, when groups aren't working well together as a cohesive team? How do you encourage it? How do you, well, how I, do you I, kind of get them working well together? I think James, you were, you know, while you were talking, you were just like, I'm going, he's stealing my thunder a little bit here. But the, I mean, the bottom line is everybody needs to understand that they've got a common goal. They're, they're all working towards the same thing. And you can argue, remember families are dysfunctional, right? There, we, you know, we can get in each other's way a little bit, but in the end, we're all working towards the same goal. And if everybody is working towards the same goal and that's where we get, you know, the, the loner who's really out for himself and wants to backstab everybody. You got to have that conversation with them and say, we're all working towards this narrative goal as a team. And that's, that's it. Your team, you know, you're all trying to do this and there's nothing wrong with kind of the narrative that yes, at some point, haha, I was the bad guy all along. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. Right. Um, and then, Remind people that there's a reason that they're together to do this adventuring, right? That there's a reason they're working together. If 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 somebody's got a uh, somebody who's not cohesive to the player, and I'm taking more narratively than mechanically, right? Because mechanically, it's it's easier to do, honestly. Because as people level up, you can find new niches that they can you play. Can you know, it's yeah, it's yeah. a little little easier to do. But narratively, um, there's a reason you guys are together, and you just have to remind people of that. And um, not penalize, but you know, disincentize the the. I, I want to be the crazy loner who's going to. I don't want to go on the adventure because that's not what my character would do. Well, no, you're together, and there's a reason you're doing this. Find a reason why you're doing this. You know, it's up to you. You're here. You want to be part of this group. 
find a reason to to do it. It's it's not the game master's job to to decide if your character doesn't want to adventure, fine. We'll roll a new character who wants to adventure. It's fine. Yep. Right? Yeah, exactly. And that's it's really difficult in the game master side because of that. And um like if it's much when we talk about mechanically, if that's not being cohesive, like you're happy with like people didn't whatever, if they didn't not about optimization, but if they made, you know, no nobody really didn't make like good characters mechanically and they're not working well and they're not like performing where they're like capitalizing on each other, whatever. Um, then you you can boost them up. Like you can maybe give them uh, some items that maybe help or, mm. uh, you know, like some special, like they, they, they accomplished something and they got like a boon from a deity. Like you can buff them, say, if we're talking about just mechanically, if um, they're not really meeting the challenges that you're putting out and you don't want to go any lighter because it just would seem kind of silly at that point. You know what I mean? Like there's- Have a meet a life like coach. Meet a life coach who walks <laughs> yeah. them through the. <laughs> Don't be afraid to buff them, is all I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, with narratively, it is really difficult. I mean, I think the first thing is to be honest. If there is just one, sometimes it's just one player that could be causing the problem. Um, then you want to have really a side talk with them. Um, otherwise, like I said, with, with my own experience, like, and then we've kind of talked about this earlier, but like when you have certain character types and then maybe new people join the game and they're coming in with the same character types. And then it really does get difficult for the game master. Like that's what I said. You really have to be careful with when people are talking about what kind of characters they want to play, right? Um, or like, okay, they're coming into a game. Oh, we already have these classes. I think it's still very important to kind of talk about what what type of characters are also in the game first. Um, yes. I don't know. This is really going back to stopping it before you know, making sure it's cohesive. But even when the game's ongoing, um, as the game master, it's important to also clarify those things because I've often seen that games kind of go off the rails was when new players come in. And there's a lot of overlap, not just mechanically, but like narrative. Like, well, even players, you know, they change over time. Personality. Yeah. People change over time. So best yes. laid plans, right? And they come in and say, oh, this is a beautiful complimentary. And then four or five sessions in, that's not the character that they're playing. It's not the character they stated. So so that can happen, right? So Eric, so even though you're saying yeah. it's more at the upfront, it can happen later that, that somebody is going off the rails, I guess, for sure. Yep. And on the player side, because because that's, you know, most of my games are player-based. Um, I've had games where I've been like, my character's like, I've seen that there's not cohesiveness and that's not, maybe it's somewhat personality types because I didn't know what other people were playing and um, maybe it's not just me, but like, I kind of see that there's not really quite the fit that I wanted and like mechanically, it's not really quite the fit. So I've been like, hey, is it cool that like, maybe we retire my character and I and like, you come to the gym. Not that, that I would, you want to, you know, end your character but that you want like you can see that it's not a good fit and sometimes as the player you have to be the one because not all game masters are as awesome as carl and james and there's plenty of times where there's just game masters are just not going to like assist you or not really going to care about those things maybe and there's times where i've seen the game master struggling but they're not really taking the mantle of because maybe they don't feel comfortable right of being the person and kind of in charge taking charge of that so yep. i've had to kind of be like hey you know let me let me change characters because i i think i can be, make a better fit um, and then the games worked out better from then. And that, like I said, it wasn't, I don't think it was just me being the disruptive one. I just have seen that I can see where there's too much overlap here in too many different ways, or the character types are not working or their goals are too different from whatever it is. Like, don't be afraid to then like, you know, to maybe make a new character and then maybe you could revisit that old character at a different time. Um, cause it is really hard to write that ship. And, uh, you know, there is game masters that, that, that just don't feel comfortable. Right. Which is not, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um, hmm. 
but sometimes it, it, there's there's a lot of trouble there, there's a lot of problems with with that and they just don't feel comfortable being the kind of adult and, in the room i guess I, and, I don't know uh, what, in the business world <laughs> when we talk about feedback the, the, you know there's a saying that feedback is a gift it's it's not a yeah. negative it's a gift you're giving a gift to somebody to help them become better some people take that well some people don't look at it as a gift they look at it as a um pick being picked on or hit so um as a player recognize that conversations you know they're really trying to help the the game be better and don't take them like personally somebody's picking on you remember this is your character not you you're the player you're not the character right the character is the one who's maybe has the wrong niche or is not you know has the right backstory or the right personality it's not you it's the it's the character and the character can change and it doesn't say anything against you as a as an individual yeah and i think it's always important to as far as players go is to never tell somebody they they shouldn't be doing something but have conversations <laughs> in character um, yep. not player to player in character always first definitely and if you still have concerns then you talk to your game master but like you never like tell somebody to stop just be like hey like you know i saw that you were doing this and we kind of you know you kind of just like you're new to the group but like why don't you try this like uh you know i got your back but like you know what I mean? you don't be too direct but <laughs> always do it in character because people will you know often get very defensive um if you just say something to somebody and then always try to go to the game master <laughs> hey hey dear right? partner i appreciate what you just done did there but we don't normally shoot the sheriff in the face but that yeah, was a good exactly. that, that, that exactly. worked well that time there partner <laughs> <laughs> look yeah we, your your uncle said he vouched for you i don't want to you know but uh this is the kind of outfit we're running um so next time if you have a problem tell me first and i'll try to like help you you know like uh, be, be helpful but you can be somewhat you know you can be like you don't have to just stay quiet about it because those things can, if nobody's confronting this element, right, it can just fester and it can make the game, the game kind of fall apart. And I've seen, yeah, I've absolutely. seen games fall apart because of that situation, honestly. So, um, I have had a game fall apart because a guy shot a sheriff in the face. I'm not really? going to lie. That was a call of Cthulhu game. Oh my God. <laughs> 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 he didn't shoot the deputy falling though, right? out. He just shot the sheriff. Uh, Oh, the sheriff and then every other police. It was it was oh. kind of horrible. It was wow. yeah, but it, it was a bad day in Oklahoma that day. I'm just going to say. <laughs> but he didn't do anything to the deputy. That's an old song. Right? No, didn't no, didn't. Oh, I get, oh, yeah, That's what yeah, I was saying. I got it now. I got it, now. Oh, it was bad in the first place. Today. Don't feel bad, James. It was bad when I said it. It was still bad now. I didn't recognize the bad pun when it was right in front of yeah. me. That's fair. <laughs> um, it's interesting, you too, Eric. I mean, you're saying a lot about in character, and I think. I think in-character conversations can actually prevent a lot of this thing happening in the first yeah. place. One thing that I try and do when I'm playing is create the connections in character to assist in the cohesion, if that makes sense. So, I, again, I played my fighter, um, Hagen, uh, for many years, and I had a barbarian, Gurak, who was there, and the amount of in-character conversations we had about battle tactics and about assisting each other at, you know um not even in combat this was our fire fireside chats we'd have you know we'd be on watch together and we'd start strategizing about you know well i, I notice you get hit an awful lot and you get knocked unconscious an awful lot 
would you like me to have a few healing potions so I can kind of keep you alive kind of vibe just to start yeah. to get just to start to get us working better as a as a duo because we were a fighter barbarian we were kind of fighting alongside each other so I think there's always the opportunity when you're playing to grab to identify hey this is another character that I could work really well with my character why don't we start having these conversations about how we can work better together so that we can start building up on this? And if you do that enough with every every character around the area, I think it doesn't take long before you can start moving this a little bit towards. So in the case of that one outlier, the character that might not be gelling with the rest of the group, try and talk through about, well, you know, if you if, if we work together and you did it this way, I can help you by doing it this way. So you can kind of move them in a yeah. lot of ways with support. And I think the other way to really do that in a way that's not confrontational is to ask questions about people, like be curious about them in character. Mm. Like when you, even if somebody, if somebody's coming as a chaotic agent and they kind of made maybe a one dimensional character, if you're in character being like, like asking about maybe an affectation they, they mentioned, or maybe about a personality trait they have about their backstory, you can kind of dig out and make them think about that and make, and it kind of builds a more complete character. And then you have a connection too, because then you understand motor about their motivation and it will encourage other people to ask about yourself and other characters. So I think it's really important to have um, uh, those kind of talks where like you're talking about, like you bring it up to people. I'm like, ask them about either their something on them or about their backstory um, or some, whatever piece that's interesting to you. And that goes back to our last episode um, that James had to miss, unfortunately about interludes and that the game master can really create those opportunities by having, um, set interludes and set um, uh, narrative breaks, like we talked about. So, yeah, good callback. I did. Good callback. I did listen. It's almost as if I heard an episode and then <laughs> <laughs> leaked. No, back. yeah, we would have loved to have your. Yeah, I think you had a lot of interesting things to say. So, uh, oh, you but probably yeah, were listening and yelling at it, that. yelling and saying, "Oh, yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah. this." So. <laughs> All right, so um, any uh, final final thoughts anyone has? I think uh, some brilliant stuff there, um, but any final thoughts before we uh, start thinking about closing this off? I guess the, the big one for me is this takes time in a lot of ways. You can set it up really well, and we've talked about how to set up cohesive teamwork, but um, working well as a cohesive team is something that takes time. You know, often often it won't happen for months into a campaign, but but um, it's definitely a goal worth striving for, and it's a it's it's one of those goals that, on top of everyone having a great time, if you can have it in the back of your mind as we're running a game about creating a really strong team out of your players, um, you'll find that everyone has a better time. You know, if everyone's got a great role and they're well supported and they're having fun and they're 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 working well successfully as a team, I think everyone. Everyone has a better time, and as a and as a storyteller, as a games master, it allows me to understand the the capacity of the group, and then I can create better encounters. If you know that the team's going to work well, and they're going to be um, optimal, and they're going to be on top of their game, any encounter that I bring to the table then has the opportunity to be really, really exciting because you know that they're going to they're going to be bringing their best game. So it's a it's a lofty goal, but well worth striving for. Brilliant. Um, and, I, and I'll go back. My final thoughts are, again, just make sure we all, it all comes down to understanding, having those relationships, like you said, between individuals, um, knowing we have a common goal, we're all trying to do the same thing, and that there's a reason we're together, and we should find that reason. Um, so, Eric, what about you? Any final thoughts? Yeah, I to I'm to no, yeah, I'm totally in agreement. And I think, like as James said, it, it is something you build towards. And uh, this is from a player perspective that, 
and we've talked, I've talked about in other episodes about character goals and personality goals, like where I, I start somewhere, maybe more extreme, and I kind of grow, I, I made it so I can grow as a character. I think you can also, not necessarily artificially is the right word, but like I've often had it where I, I kind of, even if I have a character who's more independent, I will come up with reasons why, as we're playing, to lose some of that independence and have more connections with some of the other characters in the game. Um, maybe maybe I tweak my backstory a little bit as we're going, or maybe like, oh, I like that, I love that band too, or that loot that that bar, or whatever that loot here. <laughs> you know, like there's just you can make you can, you can kind of you can set yourself. You don't have to give up your character type, right? You don't have to sacrifice what your character is completely, but you can kind of make um, an effort to be like, I'm going to shift my character. I'm going to kind of come up with ways to almost force my character to have these connections. Not, not too overtly, but like, you know, like I said, talk to them about things, ask them about things. And, and then you can kind of create those bonds and both, and also mechanically, like we talked about when you're leveling up, like as you kind of figure out what people's styles are, like, Come up with ways where not maybe not your whole thing is is supporting this person or having you know support spells or whatever, but maybe do one or two things that is complementary to them to, to kind of build mm. that cohesion. So I think it's something that you build towards and you kind of have to in the back of your mind as you're going through the game, of like coming coming up with reasons that your character would would do those things, and would have the motivation to do them. Um, does that make sense? It kind of rambled at the end, but yeah. no, that, that makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, great. Uh, Awesome conversation, uh, as always. Um, So, hey, uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you got something out of it. Remember to drop by MasteringTheRPG.com to learn about the other things we're working on and uh, learn a little bit about us. Um, Please email GameMaster at MasteringTheRPG.com if you've got a question, want some advice, got a show topic, uh, would love to hear Eric adjudicate some differences of opinion, whatever. Um, You can go ahead and do that. Hey, if you like the show, um, please give us a positive review wherever you uh, get your fine podcasts. Um, It would be great. Uh, So thank you much. Hey, guys, uh, great topic as always. Uh, Love talking to you. We'll catch you next time. So once again, say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Yeah, happy gaming.